Welcome to another episode of Successfully Live. I'm Adam O'Donnell, the co-founder of Successfully. Today, I'm excited to be here with Amelia Danzica. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Definitely. She's been a customer success for most of her career, working for great companies like JobBite, Bright Edge, and most recently, WalkMe. So today, we're just going to be diving into customer advocacy, something you've had a lot of experience with and I know super passionate about. So, I mean, just first, just like define what that means. To you. Sure. So I believe that customer advocacy is something that is an extension of customer success and critical today in the subscription economy. Before your customer ever goes to your website, they've done a ton of research on all your competitors and what your product does. And through customer advocacy, you're able to influence what that prospective customer experiences. And I believe that's where customer advocacy comes into place. Got it. Is that something that falls under customer success in, in your view? It can fall under marketing or customer success. I believe it is a marketing function and it depends on how you structure your organization and your leadership. If your customer success leader is passionate about customer marketing, then it should absolutely fall under customer success. But if that person doesn't even know what customer advocacy means, you should consider putting it in marketing. So I think it depends on the product, the leadership, and the organizational structure. Yeah, that's fair. But but so it's really just making sure that your customers are getting nurtured in a way that they're able to spread that positive word when you're bringing in new people. Um, so, I mean, could you tell us some of the things that you've done to, to make that and to make that the, the biggest impact? Absolutely. So I actually believe that customer advocacy is part of every step in a customer's journey. Every time you interact with your customer, that is potentially customer advocacy. If they have an amazing experience, they might tweet about it. They might tell someone else about it. They might ask you, how are you doing this onboarding program? I loved it. Do you think I can talk to the person who designed it? So those customer journey steps are essentially customer advocacy, and it starts way before you've even sold the product to them. Um, for myself, when I first joined WalkMe, and we did this at JobBite as well, they received a beautiful gift box that said, welcome aboard with branded swag and a letter that myself and our CEO would sign. We hand signed it, um, and we had it designed that, that told them you're about to embark on a journey that's more than just onboarding and we're excited that you're on the ship let's go and so that experience for them i often received thank you emails saying how much more excited they were because they had received this warm welcome so just starting with something simple it doesn't have to be expensive and continuing that journey with advocacy creating programs like communities where people can come together and share ideas look like heroes holding monthly webinars for customers. Those are simple and actionable plans that you can take and steps that you can take that you don't necessarily have to invest a lot of money in. Dive into the the first one. So like you, you were sending a package, just like a super simple package. Like what were you spending on that? Like $50, like not much. With shipping and holding it in a warehouse, creating the four pieces in the box. And then I hashtag the entire box. So walk me branding and around the box. It's welcome aboard. We love our customers. Walk with us, you know, fun things. Um, and then yes, 
we don't even warehouse them at in our office. They're somewhere else. I helped design them and then never really saw them again. All I know is every month a shipment goes out and I love receiving those those emails saying, thank you, we love our boxes or somebody forwarding me a picture of a box they saw on LinkedIn of a, a new customer saying, hey, this is really cool. So that's just, yes, one example. That's awesome. It's just a quick one. It just like sets the tone in the same way that opening a package of a hard product that you just got. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And so the other one you said is communities as a way to just build those advocates. And, and these are just all examples of like nice things that you're doing around the customer actually using your product. Right. And I would say even before community, during onboarding, um, again, I've, I've done this at all three of my last companies. Each one is obviously unique. And I believe the number one thing before a customer goes live is they need to have some quick time, key time to value experiences, uh, quick wins, we would call them, but quick return on investment from the customer's point of view. And during that time, they need to know what they're about to embark on. So I want to know if I'm purchasing a product or uh, a, a SaaS platform, how long until my customer success manager is introduced to me. Ideally, it should be within 24 hours. I should receive a quick video of what am I about to embark on and maybe a one-page PDF that says, here are five simple steps to going live. And here is what you're responsible for. And here's what my, what my CSM will, will guide me through. And those kind of simple communication pieces, whether it's a video or one page PDF, uh, will help the customer one, be put at ease and two, put a framework about that onboarding. Because if the onboarding isn't done well, and there is an adoption early on, the community is useless. They'll never log into the product anyways. Why would they log into your community? So I believe that's the first step before we even get to communities. And just nailing that and keeping them really positive. And, and almost like you're, they're not only having good experience, they're sharing that experience. And some of the examples you said, right. like even on LinkedIn, like that's, that's cool. That's going over and above. Yes. So say we do have a good onboarding, like what's the, so is the next stage the community piece or is there something, is it webinars or something else in between there? I believe and understand that now there are four generations of people in the workplace and different generations, different learner types need different ways to learn and adopt your platform. So you have to have a place for them to come to, to learn your platform fully. In onboarding, they may not learn all that your product can offer. So you need a place for them to go and learn in a way that suits their learning journey. So if I want to be in front of a television with my pajamas on watching a webinar on how to use this product, I should be able to. I shouldn't have to sit through a live training. I shouldn't have to talk to my CSM. So some people want CSM handholding and that's fine. You should give it to them. Obviously there's a cost associated to that often, but for the users, especially the younger millennials, they want self-service learning. And if your platform isn't easy enough for them to figure it out, you better have some contextual help within the platform or a place for them to quickly learn how to use the product. Oh, I bet. And is there anything within the community that, that you found challenging to get those set up or any kind of 
tactical things that you could share around doing that? Because I know it's not easy. Sure. So I believe that it should be offered during onboarding. Some customers are anxious to get started with some customers are really about certification. I want to be certified on your product. How soon can I get started? So why not give them access to that university or that place for them to play with your product and really learn it from day one? And then others say, I don't want to learn your product. Give me professional services. Let them implement it. And others say, give me what I purchased, my three top KPIs that I want I want to make sure that we meet and then I'll learn the product later. So I I believe that's really important and that you need to have it available when the customer needs it. So not when you decide they get access to that learning. I think that's important before you continue your customer success journey or community access. We've got the customer happy and they're becoming advocates. How, How are we leveraging that? in the best way for the rest of the company, like marketing and sales? Sure. So after onboarding, I send a survey, quick five questions, asking them, how was your experience? Did you receive what you thought you purchased? If no, why not? And then do you have a quote you'd be willing to share with us that we can publish publicly? And those are gold nuggets because it's very difficult for a company to get a quote from Spotify, for example, big brand, everyone wants their logo on their website as a customer. And it may require going through legal um, and marketing VP approval and a few other hoops. But when you ask them just for a simple quote, most customers are willing to provide that. So thank you so much for an amazing onboarding experience. For in the past 30 days, I've already been able to recognize what I purchased in a valuable way for my company. Thank you for making me look like a hero. Those kind of quick wins are not only motivational for your employees and your company culture, but something you can publish on your website. Because like I said, or or publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, like I said, before they ever go to your website, most cut in most customers will educate themselves on what they're looking for and then make a decision on maybe the top three websites that they'll actually go do further investigation. That's incredible. Are you doing, do you have to get any approval from their legal department? This is just kind of a, an all thing when getting those kind of endorsements. I'm, I'm just curious if you've had any, or is it just, you just take the quote and you do what you, you do the best you can with it. So if it is a case study or white paper, absolutely. You need to have it in writing that it's approved. But within that survey, it's very clearly defined saying, if if you feel comfortable with us publishing this quote, please share it below. And it it, it works. It's very effective that way. That's neat. Are you doing anything around getting, because you you can't take that and put that on like a G2 crowd yourself. They have to go directly, right? So, So are you doing anything around that time to get them to go to areas like that? Yeah. So different uh, leaders have different views on platforms like Trust Radius and G2 Crowd. They're in a similar space. Uh, but I do believe that they're valuable, both of them. And I do believe that people go there and will read the reviews. Um, I do it myself when I'm researching a company who's a new customer. I want to see what space they're in. I want to learn about their competitors. 
um, what might be their biggest challenges, why they purchased our product. And so those places are a great place for me to educate myself. And um, I know that companies often incentivize their customers with a $10 Starbucks card or a t-shirt or something to write a review. And I think that's okay because everyone loves a pat on their back or a thank you. And even if you're the CTO of a company, it's, it's nice to receive a box of chocolates or um, a t-shirt or, or a small token of appreciation to say thank you for taking time out of your day to write about your experience with our product. So I do believe they're very valuable. Um, not everyone gives a five out of five. I rarely do. So <laughs> I know that they're giving honest feedback. So this survey, is it 90 days after they've signed the contract? Is, is it a set time that's just automat that's automated? That's a great question. I have it set up, I've set it up in Salesforce. So it goes out one week after the CSM has marked the customer live with our product so that it's still a fresh experience with them. They're still heavily engaging with the product. They're monitoring usage and looking at the metrics and that's the best time to get feedback. The other thing that it's really useful for is getting a negative experience out in the air quickly. If something went wrong and you receive a poor score on that survey, these surveys come back not only to me, but to the CSM and the team lead. It's very transparent. We're all hands on deck. Let's fix the challenge that this customer is having now. Because if you don't and they just went live, the chances of renewal are very slim. Oh, I bet. So just it, it's not only this advocacy piece, but it's also a catch quickly. Exactly. Piece. That, that's that's great. So, I mean, you've you've done that survey. Like, do you categorize that at all in terms of when sales comes to you and says, hey, can you give us some advocates real quick? Like what, what else are you doing with that? I'm curious. All of that is again, transparent in Salesforce. All of sales and CS has access to that report and they can see quickly how the customer felt about the onboarding experience, what they're getting out of the platform. And if they want to contact the, C the, the customer, we have a program in place. They reach out to me. Um, I make sure that all the metrics look good. The customer is indeed happy and a good customer to reach out to for a reference or a referral, for example. And then we always send them a token of appreciation, which they always love to receive as well. <laughs> and is that like a thank you note? Is that just a gift or is that? It, it depends. Uh, typically, I love to send Amazon bucks because Amazon allows us to put a code with the, the gift that donates 5% back to public schools in San Francisco, which is very dear to my heart. So that's my first um, gift that I would love to send a customer. It's a win-win, but often customers can't receive a financial gift. So instead I will send them walk me swag, which they'll, they'll often appreciate. And sometimes they're just not allowed. So banks, especially, they're not allowed to receive gifts. So um, I will send them a thank you card. And I, I think they're so appreciative. There's something about a good old fashioned handwritten card that I always love receiving too. You have a lot of advocates, obviously, with this process. How would you capitalize on the, the biggest customers, the most, the most well-known ones that are really excited about what you're doing? Sure. So I think it's one, very important to be constantly engaged with these strategic customers. And it's not 
just about engaging your most strategic, but all customers. So sending quarterly newsletters, sharing customer stories, letting customers know where your company will be in the next quarter and why they should come see you at a conference, where your customers are speaking. All of that information can be shared in these newsletters, but it's a great way to also ask them, are you interested in sharing your, your story with us publicly? And many customers will say, yes, I, I want more speaking opportunities. I'd, I'd like to, um, I see you're going to be at the following conference. I'd like to speak. Are there any opportunities? And through building these kind of relationships, newsletters, calls, meeting them at conferences, um, I've been able to go to some of our largest customers like T-Mobile, Allegis, Amazon, MasterCard, some really big household brand names and say, how do you feel about speaking at a conference on behalf of our company? And 99% of the time, they'll say, yes, absolutely. The 1% is they're simply not allowed. Um, their company will not allow them to do it. And so that's the 1%. But those speakers, those happy customers who share their customer journey with a wider audience, they're typically recorded they're public on the on the web, and it's through those channels that sales can reach more new target audiences. So if you have someone in the banking industry speaking like from MasterCard, you can reshare that video over and over again. And that's much more powerful than a salesperson telling you, my product can take care of your biggest pain points at your company right now. How are you quantifying that with your team to really show the value that y'all are creating for the company that you work for? Roadshows across the U.S. and we have luncheons where we have speakers from customers, local customers on the panel and they're recorded. And we, in the old fashioned way, see how many people came to the luncheon, how many people expanded their, their um, partnership with our company in terms of dollars, and then how many prospects we invited and how many of them turned into actual customers. In terms of the video, when a customer, for example, uh, it becomes a customer of our product, the salesperson can always write notes on, besides the marketing, what, wh where did they hear? Tell us some stories about it. And so they can often include, hey, this video that we shared um, from last year's Dreamforce was really effective. We should keep using it. So even how many times a video is hit on a website, you're able to measure that and see which ones are the most effective. Tell us more about these events that you're actually doing. Like how frequently are they? How do you get people there? All that. Well, of course, I always recommend doing it at, at your, near your headquarters. You likely have the majority of your champions close to the headquarters. Um, people are busy. So you do not want to make it a boring event, make sure it's engaging by having speakers that are engaging and at a restaurant, especially if it's during lunch or dinner that people want to try. If you go cheap on these kind of experiences, one, they won't come. And two, if they do, they're not going to likely share their experience with, with others. So it has to be I call them power lunches. If you're going to take 90 minutes of my time, make it one useful content and two, a memorable experience. Everyone is about experiences nowadays. Um, make it memorable. 
So I think those are really important. And then always follow up, whether it's with a recording of the session or your key takeaways, or if you shared a presentation, a presentation, because people will want to share it with their colleagues. Um, they'll want to refresh their minds. They'll want to use that data to, to go to their boss and say, hey, I want more money to be able to invest in this program. And here's why, here are the stats. So make it easy for them to reuse that content. It's very powerful. You said around your headquarters, but you also like you're going around the country and doing this too. Obviously, New York, that's a great place to have it. Um, another idea is have it close to events that are important to you. So if if you're doing the Salesforce World Tours with Salesforce, why not have a dinner the night before or during the event? Um, if you are doing it during one of these big events, it's important that you're not hosting it while the main company of the event is hosting something because the competition is fierce and um, you really want to prepare. 80% of the success is in the preparation. The execution is only 20% of your success. Who's actually speaking? Like, what is What are some of the main draws that's brought customers? Is it like, hey, a new product launcher? Is it more like, hey, we got this awesome guy who's going to be coming and talking about the category? Customers love talking to customers and hearing their success stories. So uh, in the past, I've traditionally uh, had maybe one of our founders speak about the vision. I think customers are very interested in where's this company going? Why should I continue to invest my time and my company's money in this product? when there's increasing competition. And then of course you want to have speakers typically on a panel because they're different customer personas. And so if you have a variety of customers in different segments, different sizes, you'll be able to relate to the audience better. So I try to typically have two to three speakers and then a moderator that's engaging, that understands the audience has done their research and can ask the questions that will be important to the audience. So maybe poll your customers in advance of them coming. What are pressing topics that are really interesting to you right now? And then build your questions around that. Uh, at my last event that I had in Atlanta, we actually opened it up to the audience while we were having lunch and asked the audience to stand up and ask a question or share a story. And that was really exciting for people after we finished the the speaking portion, then people got together and huddled and talked about those specific things they were really interested in exploring. And right now, digital transformation is such an overused word, but people still haven't figured it out. So they're trying to move from legacy systems to new systems seamlessly without disrupting work. And they're using products to do that. So how do we do it? How are other customers doing it successfully? And these are the kind of conversations you need to be having. So you're, you're literally following up with every single one of them, just like a mass email, or are you doing notes or uh, what else are you doing for the follow-up? So I, I, I believe that you should do individual follow-ups. So have the salesperson reach out. Why not ask them? It's a third party more neutral. Um, they may not have necessarily been at the event, but then that, that customer or prospect can ask the questions. They may not have had time to ask or didn't have, uh, didn't think of them. Then it's like a more just a continuation of the discussion outside of that 
time. The the last component of customer advocacy, which you just can't ignore, is NPS. It's super important. We've talked about it a lot. I know everyone's familiar with it. And some people talk great about it. Some people are questioning it. But um, I mean, what have you found? Where does that fall into this customer advocacy piece, that, piece that's, that's unique? So NPS, I believe, is part of customer advocacy because you can quickly find out, one, where are your red accounts? How do you quickly turn them around into green accounts? Is there even a possibility to do that? So the thing about NPS is you need to ask, why are you, why are you even hosting an NPS scoring event? And why are you doing it too often if you're not using the data? So I, I think once a year is enough. Customers really are overwhelmed with the number of surveys they receive after support, after onboarding, now NPS. So you have to be careful about how often you're asking your customers, not to mention your CSMs are checking in with them, whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly for QBR. So with NPS, you have to think about why are you sending this survey out and what are you going to do with the data? And if you can't act on it quickly, then don't bother doing it. So I believe in analyzing the data, putting it in three buckets, the the red, the neutral, and the green, and deciding what are you going to do with those three buckets? Are the green expansion opportunities? Are the yellow an opportunity to make them green? And are the red saveable? And have actually a task team assigned to each so they're actually action items that they can follow through on and meet regularly on it to discuss the progress. I think that's the way to successfully implementing an MPS scoring program. I, I would say the number one thing with customer advocacy is that it's in a growing profession in itself within customer success. And it's going to become more and more important in 2018 because customers are becoming more educated and they're demanding more out of their customer experience. And so naturally, customer advocacy is becoming more important in customer success. Yeah, it, it makes so much sense. You just, you cannot ignore it. And for no other reason than just getting in new sales, because you can forget getting nearly as many. And also, and of course, the most important is just nurturing your current customers. So I, I yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This was incredible. Like, thank you so much thank for you your for time. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. Another great episode of Successfully Live. Mm-hmm.